gentlemen, we are back in quarantine. As you know, things haven't really changed in the last three weeks that we have talked. Um, we are still sitting here in our respective homes, respective apartments, if you will. Um, and we're bored. So we're still uh, keeping up with the podcast. And we thought we had a good game, or I think we have a good game up for grabs to talk about today. And we are joined by one of our friends, Desmond Johnson, on the pod today to talk oh, about man. the Real Madrid. Can you wait till I int- introduce you, or you want to interrupt? Okay, gosh. <laughs> the chemistry, I guess. People are getting ready. Exactly. Uh, in quarantine. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen a human being in like almost two months now, so I'm, I have to take my anger out somewhere. But we're going to be talking about the Real Madrid Dortmund game of the 2012-2013 Champions League season. This was the semifinal tie, of course, between the two sides who had actually already met earlier in the group stages of the Champions League. So we're going to recap this game, you know, talk a little bit why about why this game was so important. And of course, the one person that really was put on the map in this game. So, Rian, how you doing first off? How's New York? How's life? Uh, life has been pretty much the same for the last four to five weeks, at least. Um, right now, today, it's pretty, pretty wet outside. It's, it's, I don't know if you can hear the rain, like, through my apartment right now, but it's, um, heavy rain right now, but I've been all right, dude. I've been all right. Uh, just getting used to the new normal of, um, not really having a reason to leave my apartment more than twice a day. So that's honestly like impressive that you leave it that many times a day. Like I don't, I don't even know what I would do outside at this point in New York. Impressive or uh, dangerous. (laughs) Dare I say lethal. Oh no, no, pretty much immortal at this point. So (laughs) Uh, I, I, I was driving on, what's it called on 76 the other day uh, while I was taking my foster cat to the vet and it was like just stuck with traffic and I was so pissed off. Mainly I was pissed off because there was traffic, but B because like, of course Philly would have traffic in a quarantine. Like, like nothing changes in the city. Yeah. I can listen to anyone in the city. There is zero traffic here in Manhattan. I can, Guarantee that for all the, for all the driving you're doing. <laughs> yeah, there is absolutely no traffic whatsoever. <laughs> that is for sure. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that in the slightest. Well, I'm glad things are well, and uh, it's kind of the same old for us here too. I mean, there's not much to do other than hang around and kind of spend some time on Zoom, and that's about your weekend. That's that is pretty much how life goes when we work during the week. So. This is kind of a, a good way of passing time and keeping up with things. And, well, here we are. So, Rian, Real Madrid, Borussia Dortmund, take us back eight years ago. Well, more like seven years ago. Take us back seven years ago. What what was going on in, in Germany? Set the scene for us. Of course. So, you know, just from the Dortmund side, this is, this is, this is the fifth season of Jurgen Klopp at Borussia Dortmund. Um, he starts there in 2008. This is coming off the back of winning the Bundesliga two years in a row in 2010 and then in 2011. Is 
I feel that has not, no one else has won the Bundesliga since then. So if that, if that helps to uh, kind of put you in, in a sense of like how hard it has been for teams outside of Bayern Munich to, to win the league, the, win the uh, German league for the last decade, pretty much. Right. Um, so they're coming off for two straight seasons of being German champions. And in this particular season, 2012 and 2013, they finished first in their group. A group that included, like Elias mentioned earlier, was Real Madrid, Manchester City, and Ajax. And a group that actually Manchester City finished last in with three points. So um, that is just a side note, but just, I thought that was It's unnecessary, but... Um, okay. <laughs> I just thought that was In a group like that, you wouldn't expect them to finish last. Uh, just a chance to rub it in a City fan's face. Yeah, yeah, and all, yeah all four of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is your dad included in that yeah yeah of course i said all four so um <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, so just for dortmund's champions league campaign though they end up defeating Shakhtar in the round of 16 5-2 aggregate um and then the quarterfinals which was actually which was probably a bit more exciting than even these couple games here which Second leg of that game where they get past Malaga, who was coached by Emmanuel Pellegrini, who ends up being the Manchester City coach after this season, but after this 2012-13 season. But they defeat Malaga in the in the uh, quarterfinals, where 0-0 after his first leg, and then second leg, Dorman are down 2-1, heading into the 90th minute, and they score two goals in stoppage time. Um, this is a game at home in the second leg, and, and this is, gets them to the, to the uh, semifinals. And just from looking at this team's lineup and, and the players who were on this team, on the squad for this year in general, if you had to guess their most expensive player in terms of transfer, don't even guess the name, but if you guys have to guess the amount of money they spend on the player, on their most expensive player. Are you talking about transfers into Dortmund? Dorman, yeah, not for this season, just in, for any of the players, their transfer fee for any of the players on their on the squad that started this season. Twenty-five um, million. Yeah, somewhere in that range sounds right. And my guess is it's Nuri Sahin. That's I don't know. That's a general. That's just a guess. Uh, yeah. Okay, guess the number. If you have to get the number. Um, yeah, no, I'm sticking with Des's guess, like somewhere in twenty-five million range. So the most expensive player in this. Well, it was Marco Roy. So this is his first season with Dortmund for 17 million euros. The most expensive player <laughs> on the entire team. <laughs> <laughs> for 17 million now? Wait, no. Yeah, imagine I mean, getting Lewandowski for less. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Um, and, and, you know, we're going to talk. I, I know I'm definitely going to talk about um, Lewandowski later, and we're going to get into both of them just during this game. They, they both played so well during this game. Well, this was Royce's first season with Dorman, right? And just looking at the lineup here, I'm going to say the lineup, and then also just like how long these guys had played, had been with Klopp, how many seasons they'd been under him. So at goalkeeper, you have Weidenfeller. This was his fifth season with Jurgen Klopp, and they're all five seasons. At right back, it was Lucas Pischek, who this was his third season under Klopp. At center back, you had Mats Hummels and Subotic. Both of them came. Their first season was uh, Jurgen Klopp's first season, so they've been they had been up to this point all five seasons. And then at left back, um, Marcus Schmelz, Mark Schmelzer, his fifth season with Jurgen Klopp. Uh, Ilkay Gundogan, 
This was his second season with Jurgen Klopp in midfield. Um, Blash Blaszczykowski, who was on played on the right wing. This is his fifth season with Jurgen Klopp. You have Götze also playing in center mid. This is his uh, fourth season with Klopp, and Marco Royce his first season, and Lewandowski up top. This is his third. This is his uh, sorry, third season. No, sorry, second season. Third season for sure. <laughs> Third season with um, under under Jurgen Klopp. So just in thinking about all that, like these guys, most of that starting lineup had been under Klopp for at least two seasons, two to three seasons, and we know how Liverpool kind of transformed over what is now Jurgen Klopp's fourth season. Um, no, it's fifth season. Sorry, this is similarly. This is Jurgen Klopp's fifth season with Liverpool, and we've seen how they've transformed over the years. But also with the fact that the, some of the players in that team they've been there for multiple seasons, and you can see how just playing under Klopp for multiple seasons, you get they get more um, in tune in terms of how we want them to play, and all the like kind of team building stuff happens at the same time. It's not a lot of guys who are just who are big transfer fees, and also newcomers other than Marco Royce. That's honestly really impressive. Like, I never even... I never really thought about how long they'd been with Jurgen Klopp at that point, but I'm shocked that that he was able to kind of cultivate the same culture Maybe I'm, I'm not shocked, but I'm really impressed that he was cult- able to cultivate the same culture at Dortmund and kind of replicate it at Liverpool too. Like he he basically took that those same ideas and that same level of you know intensity and passion for the game and has taken it everywhere he's gone in the professional game. I, I think that's one of the most underrated parts of his like his game. Well, he really gets people to buy into it. His players would all die for yeah. him. It's like that's like a I don't even know if it's a skill you could cultivate over time. Like he's just born with that. So yeah, there's there's just something about him, and people love it. It's it's really impressive. Yeah, and like we'll see what as we get into the game. Like there's there's so many parallels. I think from these teams are really. Yeah. No, absolutely. So that was, I guess, the Dortmund side of the the preview for this game and and where they were at. Rian, where do we go from here? Do we go to Spain? We go to Spain, dude, where I'll pass it off to you as, as our um, resident La Liga aficionado. Aficionado <laughs> is, is really pushing it. I would say um, fan, <laughs> and, and that's, that is the extent of my knowledge. But let me start off by saying um, this was a very, very big turning point in Jose Mourinho's um, Real Madrid career and his overall footballing career. So this was Real Madrid's third consecutive Champions League final under Jose Mourinho, which in and of itself is very impressive. Um, he had lost, of course, the previous two. And quite honestly, he and Real Madrid had not done very well in, in Germany, playing in Germany. I think they had pretty much... In, in like 24 visits to Germany, Real Madrid had lost, I think it was 17 times, drawn six times, and won once. And that was against Bayer Leverkusen um, in like 2004. So going to Germany, first off, was not great, as, as track record shows. 
to add to that, they had already gone to Germany and played the same exact side earlier in the season. And lo and behold, they did not win that game. They had not beat Borussia Dortmund each time that they had played them in the group stages of the Champions League. So let's take a look back at where Jose Mourinho was at. He started at Real Madrid in off the back of his treble winning season at Inter in 2010. So Real Madrid bring him in to essentially what their goal is to do the same thing, right? They had seen Barcelona win the treble in 2009, Jose Mourinho, you know, win in 2010. So that's kind of the aspiration to glory. Hadn't really panned out for him. And this year there were rumors of this being his last season. You know, we haven't, we being Real Madrid, haven't gotten out of him what we expected in some ways. And so this was his real chance to make a dent, kind of his last shot in Real Madrid history. So what happens, he, well, let me read you out the starting lineup and we'll kind of talk about what happened. But he, first off, over the course of the season, began benching Iker Casillas. So we'll talk about that in a second, but that was very controversial point that, in my opinion, was not the right move. But that aside, Diego Lopez started in goal for Real Madrid, a name that really only showed up on the score sheet a couple of seasons max. I think only two max. Um, Sergio Ramos starting at right back, funny enough, and uh, Rafael Varane and Pepe making up the center back pairing. So one thing I, I thought was really interesting about this was Varane um, – was already starting Champions League games in 2013, and he's 26 or 27 now. So seven years ago, he was a teenager starting this game. So that just speaks to how highly I think a lot of managers rated him and continually started him. So I didn't that that's Mourinho, something I didn't even Mourinho realize. will be the first to tell you that that he gave uh, Varane his first his first like opportunities and stuff too. I mean, in, in some ways, he is, but no, well, he uh, definitely he, is. He 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 did oh, give yeah. him his first appearances, yeah. But you can't, you know, beat a dead horse. Like, we get it. <laughs> like, congrats. <laughs> you developed one player. But on the uh, on the left of Pepe, I should say, it was Fabio Contrao. And so the Real Madrid midfield was made up of Sammy Kadira, Xabi Alonso, and the very infamous Mesut Ozil. That midfield, already controversial enough, having left out Di Maria in that starting lineup. And the forward line of Luka Modric, Cristiano Ronaldo, and Gonzalo Iguain, of course, the one player that is not starting that front line that was also controversial at that time was Kareem Benzema. So, Rian, going into this game, Real Madrid had high hopes. They were actually the favorites, even though they had already gone to Dortmund and not won the game earlier in the season. They were still the bookies' favorites going into this game. But as we all know now, um, that game did not favor them exactly. So. Rian, Dez, let's talk about the game. What happened? Start us off. Of course, of course. And as always, we'll stop off in, in some of the more pressing moments. I'm, this is all kind of a stream of consciousness, um, these game notes. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, let's start off. I mean, the, the start, Dorman starts so well. And, and like just a couple of the things I have here is like the press, one of the things – like the press from Dortmund, so so similar to like what you see from Liverpool. Um, now it's it's 
it's amazing how like how Klopp is able to transfer his identity from team to team. Like that's I think that's really impressive. Um, I just thought the first the first seven minutes, Dortmund gets their absolute just just deserves. Like they they were suffocating Madrid. I think with the press. Um, in the sixth minute, there was a tackle from Sven Bender that leads to like one of Royce a, a run from Royce and and produces a good save from um, Lopez. And in the seventh minute, Lewandowski scores this for the first goal. It's um, a cross and from the left side. But I think it was from Schmelzer. Um, and Lewandowski just beats out Pepe completely, and and it was just so deserved. That was that was my that was one of my notes from this was seven minutes in, so deserved for them to um for them to take the lead, and I just the first ten minutes, I kind of step off as like everything we love about like how Liverpool plays is in this team, and one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Completely deserved the lead. Sammy Kadira looked like a lost child out there for the first 10 minutes. Just getting, he had no time at all. Even some of the skilled as like Luka Modric looked like they just had no time. They didn't have enough time to do anything, make any passes, link anything together. Um, it was beautiful. Beautiful to watch. Absolutely. They had no time to think. Like, I, I think I said, I think I wrote this, write it down later in the game. Like, they had no time to think. They had no time to think. The press was just so on them for, for so much of this game. So the one thing that I think was really interesting about the first 10 minutes of this game that that showed for the rest of the game until Marino started making changes, Modric, Sammy Kadir, and Xabi Alonso was actually the midfield. So Mesut Ozil was playing essentially on the wing, right? Two big problems with that. Obviously, Mesut Ozil is not a winger. He's a number 10. And two, Xabi Alonso being the like, solely line, you know, deep-line midfielder, um, isn't really someone that you would want to have there if you're being pressed very significantly, right? Like he doesn't have that much pace. He's very creative, but he doesn't, he doesn't run from players. Um, So not having a number 10 in Mesut Ozil playing in this natural position and quite honestly, a slow Chabi Alonso um, that his, with his pace being exposed um, by, I I think it was by Royce most often and by Goza. Um, it just it looked like Real Madrid were being suffocated. Yeah, I mean they were there. It was absolutely like like I said, deserved, but also just it was a, a one sided game for the first ten minutes, and just like the energy was so intense. The intensity was was crazy to watch. Um, yeah, and what I find interesting as well, just to kind of adding to this point. Since I accidentally watched the second game. <laughs> I forgot to roast you for that. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I'm gonna own it here before you know I get attacked for it. Well, well, well let's. Well, we don't get to the second. Let's let's finish the first game first, and we can. I'm not, I'm not jumping in it. I'm just saying how he changed the. <laughs> he had he had Luka Modric in the midfield and got the ball more often. Could actually make a little bit, uh, give himself a little bit more time, like made time for everyone else as well. So that changed completely the second leg. Um, yeah, it had to really. But um, but yeah, but just going going along. So first ten minutes, all Dortmund, and then I think Real Madrid start to to grow into the game a bit. I wrote down at, at about fifteen minutes in that they start to grow into the game a bit. Um, but the, you know the press after like I was still saying the press after Dortmund loses the ball, which again a thing that's very similar to how 
Liverpool play, after they lose the ball, the press was is so ferocious. But um, I think Real Madrid survived the first 20 minutes, and I underlined survive, like only down 1-0. Like it's, I, I think they were kind of lucky to get out of that first 20 minutes just down 1-0. But from there, you know, a couple of things that I just noticed, like Marco Royce, 22nd minute i said royce i just wrote royce is class and then i said fuck injuries like just thinking about the fact that he got injured right before two seasons where he was fantastic and and seasons where like maybe he could have if he wanted to leave Dortmund, he could have gone to any club in the world but 2014 right before the world cup acl injury 2016, right before the Euros, an ankle injury. He's, he's out of both of those um, tournaments. That's two straight tournaments there. That, and then he's in the team in 2018, obviously. But um, but you know, obviously that team's much different than one that wins the World Cup in 2014 and one that goes to semifinal in 2016 Euros. But it just injuries suck, man. Injuries really suck. Is <laughs> basically what came from that. You know, Pressing was so amazing. I thought. I thought throughout this entire game, I thought it was like the peak Marco Royce um, this season, pretty much. That was peak Marco Royce. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, he was. I, I mean, he was just a class player all around. Like when he, when obviously he wasn't injured. I, I honestly, I, I say this genuinely. It's hard to pick out bad Marco Royce performances, injuries aside. Yeah, and he, and he still puts in good good shifts for them now. Like even at he's thirty one now, but but great player, and and it's it sucks that it does feel like we never we didn't get that there was still more, but you know injuries happen, and that's that sucks. It's just a part of the game. But as the game goes on here, I the twenty around twenty fifth minute, I wrote that Madrid are fully back in this. I think I think the game was, I think they'd gotten back into it. They gotten some possession. Not that they were necessarily threatening in the same way, but they but the game was at least even. I I thought at this point, um, and you know we could go and twenty seventh minute. There's a funny incident where Ronaldo. I don't know if you guys caught this too. Like the ball gets placed long, and I think the ball is like going over the Dortmund uh, keeper, and Ronaldo just jumps high as hell and just jumps right into the keeper for like no reason whatsoever. Just like, out. <laughs> it was so random. Even on the ball, he just jumped up. <laughs> yeah. He just jumped as like as high as he could, just jumped on the keeper, like whatever. But um, I'd say the 31st minute, the run from Blaszczykowski, Um Wow. Like, wow. And, and, and the run was amazing, but, the defensive recovery from Higuain on it was, was like, I was, I actually just kind of stood, like, moved forward in my couch a little bit. I was like, wow, damn, I didn't, that was a great play. That was just great. That was just great from Higuain defensively. Um, and I mean, that's literally what he did all game. Like, that's the only thing he did the entire game. Right. He, he didn't, yeah, he didn't offer a lot going forward. But, but, um, and we had 35th minute. I say I wrote Madrid start returning the favor, and so they start doing some high pressing. And like I said, they're really back in this game. And I think around the 40th minute, just before the 40th minute, I, um, Dortmund were having trouble keeping possession. I thought in the midfield, Gunuan was giving it away a few times. I thought they were they were having trouble like keeping the ball a little bit for like just five to ten minutes. And you know, this is all leading to the Madrid goal. 
but just before the mistake from Hummels, you know, Royce, we have a possible penalty kick here. Um, I have it as 41st minute, just a magic run from, from Marco Royce. And then he's maybe gets his legs tripped by, I think it was Pepe here. I, I don't know if you guys had anything, any, what were your guys' thoughts on this, on this incident? Because just a minute and a half later, you have the goal from Ronaldo. Yeah, so it, it was Ren. Yeah. So, Des, no, Des, go ahead. What were your thoughts? That's one of those ones that can go like either way. He got, kind of got his like foot trip. He's tangled legs, essentially. So, like, I could see why you would give that, but I think it was necessary. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Like, I, I think it could have been called a penalty. Um, it, I personally would have called it a penalty, but. I can get the argument for not doing so. That's just that's just where I stand on it. I, I do think his legs got tan- tangled, and either way, if that's you know anywhere else on the pitch, right, it's a foul. So, I think it's a penalty. Ron, yeah, and I think I, I I'm on the fifty fifty side too. I, I think it's fifty fifty. I'm fine with the call. I, I I wrote that I'm oh I think it was a I think it was a penalty kick. If, I think it was a PK, but I'm very much okay with the call on the field. I think it was more or less um, 50-50. And I think if it was now and we had a VAR, I would have still been okay with them keeping the call on the field. Like it, So that's kind of where I'm at with that. Um, but just a, minute, just a minute or two later, it leads to mistake from Hummels, who tries to play the ball back, but doesn't really get enough on the pass. And... Um, let's in Iguain, who then just squares it to Ronaldo, who, who easily um, finishes that. And I and I kind of wrote there that perhaps it's just about deserved from Madrid to to um, tie the game back up because I, I thought that it was pretty even after up on that point, especially well after the goal. I think it was pretty even, and um, just Madrid had a couple chances, but I mean this was that it was really bad from Hummels and and. I thought he did this a few times during this game, just pretty bad passes, giving the ball away. But I don't know, what were you guys' thoughts on on this play? I mean, I don't, I don't know if I agree that it was completely even. Like, I think so. You you mentioned Blasik. Oh my god, how do you say his name? Blasikowski. That's some. That's out. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Okay, I'll just say other Poland, Poland, Polish, Pol- other Pole. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Um. So he, yeah, yeah, exactly. He, I think, did a really good job of tracking right a, a lot of the the attacks from from Real Madrid, and I think largely the back line did a really good job of containing the attack. So, so like for me, I don't know if a lot of those chances were so much real chances or half chances, whereas I think Dorman had, I think, more. It, it, like if you looked at their expected goals in the first half, I, I have no doubt that Dorman's would be higher, and that to me at least tells me that I think Dorman was doing a little bit more. But I, I guess maybe it's somewhat deserved from Real Madrid to get a goal. But I would not have been surprised to to go into the half one nil or even two nil. It could have been completely different. Yeah, or two one seems really likely. I, I think they worked their way back into it pretty well. Like they're getting possession, they could have. Uh actually hold the ball for longer than he has. Um, I think they had one or two chances, I mean, if you're counting like that free kick, but um, I think it was yeah. just 
thought it was definitely deserved going in second half. Yeah, second half is really when it popped off, though. Of course, of course. Yeah, my last note from the end of the first half was just electric atmosphere just in the yeah. stadium in general throughout the entire first half. That was just outrageous. It was it was so cool. Um, Whatever the chant is after Lewandowski scored, might be just saying his name. Yeah, was absolutely beautiful. Oh yeah, the chat. Yeah, yeah. That where they say the first name and the, um, yeah, the fans. Say, yeah, yeah. That the, yeah. That's that's yeah. That it's a, it's an amazing stadium. It's amazing like atmosphere just in general. I think we've we've talked about this like before, but yeah. So second season, or sorry, second second half, second half second, here. What? <laughs> second half. Sorry, forty eighth minute. The nearly unreal assist from Diego Lopez to Ozo, where he just boots it, and Ozo like catches it one time, and just and, and just kind of, and he's one on one with the keeper for a second, and, and, I was, and no one is understanding what the hell is happening, and it just kind of fizzles out. But it was like an unbelievable pass from Lopez right to Ozil's like left foot, and just right on a dime, and he's one on one with the keeper. Yeah, Loki happened. Fast the process. Like after it happened, I was like, "Oh, like, I mean, that was weird." <laughs> yeah, it was so. Quick. I was like, "That was actually so good." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think anyone really paid enough attention to it, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, also it was it was Mesut Ozil. Yeah. Well, I think the crowd was just like, stunned because it really came from nowhere. Yeah, it came from nothing. It came from nothing. Disgusting pass. <laughs> it, it was like at least three quarters of the field too. Like yeah. it was. Yeah. So I think they were just kind of stunned in the silence. Of what just happened? I don't know where. But, you know, just two minutes later, 50th minute, Lewandowski again. And this time, it starts with like an overload on the right side, on the right flank from Liverpool. Um, or sorry, but I was oh going to say, but, but I was going to say, sorry, I was about to say that very similar to how Liverpool <laughs> um, also presses teams that where they so much of the pressures on the wide like the wide size and there are multiple times in this game where Dortmund have the ball like on the on either flank and there's like five guys who are five Dortmund players who are all on that left side and it's just like how is it how are the other defending teams supposed to really deal with that is like you can't move everyone out wide and just completely vacate the middle and that's how they just create so many um, mismatches and, and uh, overlaps and one-twos and just able to outnumber the opponents on the white, on the right, white. Did you say um, overlaps? Size. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but, but to the goal, what a touch and spin and finish from Lewandowski, who we thought they, they thought he might have been offside at, at first, but I think it's Pepe who's playing him on. Of course, it was yeah, Pep. In in yeah. real time, he looked offside, but he he wasn't. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. barely. I think Pep yeah, is like was trailing. That was because, because it comes from a shot which is deflected, and then Lewandowski just perfectly adapts to the deflection and spins and flicks the ball into like the near post, just all in one motion, just so quick before anyone else can react, which was just kind of the theme of of him in his career and especially in this game 
you really just no, make absolutely this. I'm just rewatching it right now. Like it's so fluid. Like I don't even know how he reacted to that ball coming at him as well. It deflects, it's a shot that gets deflected. Like he doesn't have that much time to react and still. Yeah, in, in every in the in the first three goals that he scores, like in every one of them, you, you look at it and you're like, oh, he's just anticipate like his anticipation is amazing. Like he's just always get, betting that he's that there's gonna be a chance there. So he's always kind of ready to get in position to score, to to take a shot. So that's what makes him so fucking unbelievable. He's I mean, he's one of the smartest players in in the world in the, in his position by by far. So I, this, it almost doesn't surprise me. It's just, it was really, really impressive to see from the beginning, kind of before he was put on the map. Um, of course, there were rumors of him going to Bayern Munich at this point, but I mean, this game put any doubt in anyone's mind that he w- was going to be a top player, you know, kind of in the, in the background. Yeah, for sure. And then, and, and my last note on that particular play is that just like the first half Dortmund punched Real Madrid in the in the mouth really early in the half really early in the half and from there I, I think Madrid lost complete control of this game in terms of they were no longer able to really hold the ball for a couple which is what they needed what they needed was to just kind of hold the ball for a bit because I I personally think talent wise a midfield of Modric and Xabi Alonso and Kadir that is a better midfield than what Dortmund was throwing at them, but the energy and the pace of the game was too much for Madrid in this. And they, I thought they lost control right after the Lewandowski, the second Lewandowski goal. And the game became chaotic, which is where Dortmund, this Dortmund team and uh, Jurgen Klopp teams in general, it's where they thrive is in chaos. And yeah, um, yeah, Madrid. Madrid had zero time. Fifty fourth minute, I wrote it. Madrid midfielders have zero time to even consider their next touch. Like it's as soon as they are touching it, Dortmund uh, are just right on them, which leads us to the best finish of the night. In the fifty fifth minute, um, a shot from uh, I think Schmelzer takes a shot, and it gets and another one that's deflected and kind of goes all the way across the 18 from left to right and comes to Lewandowski, takes a touch, drags it just, just enough for um, Pepe, who tries to dive at the ball to, for it to be just out of his reach and then just rifles it top right corner, like near post, and Diego Lopez has no chance. Like the drag back, I don't hear the drag back from, by Lewandowski is world class absolutely world class disgusting that goal goal was by far the best of the night it was honestly one of the best of the tournament like i don't think there are a lot of goals in that entire season that came close the one thing that i think was interesting about this game at this point too this actually has nothing to do with lewandowski and this goal but peace check and subatic really like contained ronaldo where Ronaldo wasn't even able to put up a performance remotely close to Lewandowski's. Like, I don't want to make it about him because this, this entire game was really about Lewandowski, but that was another part of the, the Dortmund team. Like, we talked about their their press and their, their counterattacking ability, but their ability to contain Ronaldo almost single-handedly 
was really, really impressive. Yeah, and that's something that continued. Again, to bring up the second leg, it happened the second leg again. Ronaldo was just not existing in that game. So, really testament to this team. Rian, when you saw this third goal, I'm very interested. What was your actual reaction while you were watching it? It was it was like a, a kind of muted but still high pitched like kind of ooh like, like it's <laughs> it like because it just cannons off his foot off his right foot like it's so much power on the shot and he's he's just unbelievable like because you think about it's hard not to like as you're watching this game it's hard not to think about what his career becomes and you know we'll get into that uh very shortly but like you're like oh my gosh it's like this he's the same player from then to now and to have this consistency that he's shown is like is amazing and um yeah and then and this game goes on it's, this is 3-1 at this point uh and 3-1 still first leg 3-1 you get out of there i think that's still a survival like you get out of there 3-1 if you're madrid you're still kind of like, yeah, that sucked, <laughs> but we got the away goal. And, and because like in the Champions League, the away goals are really like, you, you might as well count them as like one and a half goals. Like that, it just, right. like for the, ma- for like just how the away goals are counted, just they're worth a half a goal more. Like they just are. And so you take that because then you're like, okay, Yes, it seemed like it was very hard for us to keep them without scoring in this game. But if we go back home and we win 2-0, like we end up seeing, um, we get a 2-0 result, then, oh, okay, then we're through or something like that. But, you know, 3-1, you're still surviving. But as we all know, they do not. And um, that's what that's all. That's what this leg was all about. That was one of the things I wrote, too. Like, this leg was all about just surviving, just surviving the away leg and Madrid did not. So 62nd minute, I just say we, there's a, the run by Gundogan where he kind of mazes his way through the middle of the pitch and, and gets uh, close to 18 and takes a shot that just goes barely over, over the bar um, out of, um, out of Diego Lopez's reach. I just wanted to take, I had to take a second to appreciate that run and shot. Um, then we get the 66, 66th minute where the penalty comes or so comes from a quick throw in. Again, something that we see in Liverpool and Alio, the how you know set pieces are a very important thing for them to take them quickly, uh, as Elias knows only too well. Are you serious? <laughs> are you serious? Like are you are, is this a joke? Uh Ow. anyway, so <laughs> a quick throw in. Quick throw in leads, um, leaves Mario Goetze alone on the right wing, and he flicks the ball into Royce, who's right in, and who gets just kind of elbowed in the back by <laughs> by Xabi Alonso, who really has nothing else to do than kind of take him out because th- there was just nothing else he could do there. Um, and at least two, a penalty in which Lewandowski gets a chance for his fourth goal of the night, and he takes his chance and rifles it into the top. <laughs> it just—it's an emphatic finish, and and it was so it's such a fitting end for his night. Um, that put him at ten goals in eleven games for the Champions League at that point. And 
stamped. He's one of the best forwards in Europe at this at that point, and he never leaves that pedestal from that point. Yeah, wow. I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't think about it in that context. He really never left the conversation in the last like eight years, basically. Like, I don't think he gets enough credit for that. He's in the same caliber of you know Aguero, Suarez, that you know group of players. But I don't know if he actually gets the same recognition. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I, I, it's weird to call him underrated because like everyone agrees that he's world class, but like he's not in those conversations a lot of the time. Um, does it have to do with him doing, like, being in the German League? I'm not really sure. What do you guys think? That might be part of it. That might, I mean, there's definitely an element of that, right? Like, the Bundesliga is only recently, I guess, and by recently, I mean the last, like, six years, been watched widely, I'd say, by a wider audience. But the Premier League will always have that. You know, La Liga has consistently had that. God forbid I even bring up the, you know, French League. But that... That's kind of third Bundesliga. Third would be on the on the pedestal. So that might be a part of it. And you look at Aguero and you look at Suarez, and they're playing the two most dominant leagues in Europe. So I think I think that definitely has you know a reasonable credibility. And just like speaking from my own perspective, which is the fact that he's on such a dominant team, at least in my mind, like Bayern is is has been so much better for every, than every other team for the last few years. So it, that to me also kind of diminishes from it a little bit. But I mean, in large part, like that's due to him. Like he is a large part of that success. It's not like everyone else, you know, is the reason why he is successful. Like, I mean, obviously there's an element of that. Otherwise it'd just be, you know, one on 11, but he's really been there through the entirety of the last seven years then aided them in their, you know, Bundesliga runs to take it away from Dortmund, right? Like we talked about. Absolutely. I think that um, I, don't know, I, I I think he gets I think he he gets enough. I think within the last couple of years, I think he's gotten more credit. I will say that. I think in the last couple of years, he's gotten people have started to realize it more. Um, but it's it is amazing, and and Ellie's makes a good point there in terms of the reason that Bayern are so dominant. Like one of the re- like he's a big reason why they are so dominant. He's been perennial, perennially one of the three or four best strikers in the world for eight years running now. So yeah, um, it, it's amazing. And then so you know that that puts it at four one. We've got twenty five minutes left in the game, and and I my couple my last few notes here. Seventy fifth minute. I I know here that the press from Dortmund is still causing Madrid fits. Like even at that point in the game, it's 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 causing a lot of problems for the midfield of Madrid. And, um, you know, I think for the whole night, I thought Ozil was the, probably the best player for Madrid. And, um, but I, that's not saying a lot. I didn't think, I didn't think many of their players played very well that night. So um, I thought Ozil was the best player in terms of at least the balls. He was trying to play the balls in behind and he was trying to create the chances and stuff, but I thought um, um, that Dortmund defended them well. So the one of the seventy seventh minute, holy shit! The chip from Royce. Does anyone remember this? <laughs> the chip. Yes, yes. He wasn't offside. They showed the replay. He wasn't offside. He gets in behind, 
and he and it's <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable chip like it actually is ridiculous and uh and he, he does it from like just from like inside the 18 and, and the keeper's not really that far off his line but like he chips him and it looks amazing <laughs> and he just wasn't offside and we're just robbed of a god tier goal <laughs> so and that that actually I was actually pretty upset for another like 90 seconds after that. I was like, oh my God, I, I, I can't believe that they called that offside. Oh, yeah, 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 that was that was one of those special Royce moments. Like he he was just class. He really was. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we gone for the rest the rest of this game. I, a couple of nights. I, I thought Bajakowski was fantastic for like this. Alex, I know you mentioned it earlier. I thought he was fantastic this whole game. Up and down yep. the the um the wing so that he was great and you know i i last thing was that madrid never really looked like scoring in the second half they they had no control of this game as after that after that first goal in the second half after Lewandowski's second goal um they had no control in the second half and they never really looked like scoring they looked shell they looked like they just got punched in the mouth very early and then didn't really recover in the second half hundred percent agreed. I mean, a large part, like I mentioned earlier, you know, Subotic and Piszczek really contained Ronaldo, especially in that second half. And given that Ronaldo this season was just on an absolute tear, like he was on, he worked his way up to 50 plus goals on the season, but he was a menace this season. And to contain him the way that they did is seriously like one of the most impressive feats on a personal career level for those two. The, the team, this, this is a, an unbelievable result from from when I, when we talked about you know who the most expensive player is on Dortmund and you compare that to so um, Ronaldo who was at this time the most expensive the most expensive transfer in the history of football um, only to be eclipsed by the Gareth Bale like two months later but. Um, yeah, this is amazing, an amazing night for Dortmund, and it's uh, everything was deserved from the team, from the players to Klopp himself. This was, this is like just goes down part of his legend, and and completely deserved from the performance. A hundred percent. I mean, where so I guess now that we've kind of wrapped up the game, right? One of the biggest things we talked a little bit about, you know, Lewandowski's career and kind of what came out of it obviously he went to to Bayern right afterwards and you know really made a name for himself although I guess he was never unequivocally you know the number one striker in the world I don't think anyone ever said Lewandowski is undoubtedly the number one but I, I think there's also when we kind of talked about this before right a conversation to be had about Klopp and Mourinho and where this left their legacies right like wh- like where did this kind of gravitate them to or the opposite of gravitate um you know what are, what are your thoughts on that oh yeah i mean um i guess and so like on your first thing about Lewandowski, like Ray in the sense that he's never you're right he's never really been considered the best striker in the world right now i don't, I don't think anyone has ever said that um unequivocally but i think there's a case to be made honestly that the if you're talking about pure out and out, like number nine, like 
eight center forward number nine he has a case that he's been the best over the last eight years just looking at some of his stats like he for this particular season 2012 he's Scores 36 goals, 24 in the league, 10 in Champions League, two in two in um, domestic cups, and in general from there, his goal tally for just total goals for seasons, um, you have in 2010, 2011, 30, 11, 12, 36, 28 and 12, 13. Uh, you have 20, sorry, 36 in 2012, 13. And then 13-14, you have 25, 42 when he goes to Bayern Munich, 43, 41, 40, and 39. <laughs> and oh my God. All, all of this, a, a couple of things here. He's fourth all-time in Champions League goals with 64 goals in 86 um, appearances. He's sitting behind Ronaldo, Messi, and Raul, who he, he – has a chance to pass Raul in the next couple of seasons, so he could be third in that on that list. Um, he's third all time in Bundesliga goals behind Gerd Müller and uh, Klaus Fischer. And Gerd Müller has 365 goals in 427 games. Fischer has 268 in 535 games. Meanwhile, Lewandowski has 227 in 313 games in the oh, Bundesliga. My God. He's second all-time in Bayern Munich goals behind Gerd Müller as well. Um, he's got 230 goals in 275 games. Uh, Lewandowski does at Bayern. And at Dortmund, he had 130 go- 103 goals in 187 games. So we can start there. Those are Amazing. ridiculous numbers. Those, numbers Those are ridiculous. <laughs> so consistent. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable numbers there. And then, if you want to working ankles, yeah, <laughs> and and if you want to compare him to, I guess his um, the other strikers around him during this time, we're, this is this came this came from a Reddit post on r slash soccer at someone's original content where they compared the forwards like marquee forwards who were born in 1986 to 1989, and this list includes Falcao, Edin Dzeko. Luis Suarez, Cavani, Higuain, Benzema, uh, Lewandowski, and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. And we just look at career goals. The standings are this. I'll do from nine up. It's Aubameyang at nine, Falcao eight, Higuain seven, Deco sixth, Benzema fifth with 348 goals, Cavani fourth with 401 goals, Aguero, third with 412. Robert Lewandowski, second, 468 goals. And Luis Suarez, 470. Mm. So if you want to just look at, if you want to just look at com- contemporaries, I, his, you can make an argument that his only comparable is, is Luis Suarez if you're talking about just pure out-and-out strikers. And I think like he deserves to be in the conversation. He absolutely deserves to be in the conversation of if not the best striker in the last eight years just out and out number nine then one of then one of the two honestly it, it, it then it really is me i think him or luis suarez i think that's a pretty i think that should probably be the one or two 
I don't disagree. I really don't disagree. I mean, what was the goal difference? Like two, four sixty eight and four seventy? Like that's minuscule when you talk about a career of basically ten years or so. So I wouldn't I mean I, I don't hate the idea of Robert Lewandowski being considered the best striker in the world. I think him and Luis Suarez and like I said, Aguero are in the same conversation. But I think he's one of the most consistent strikers in the world, even more consistent than Suarez in some cases. And that to me is the mark of greatness to be consistent over the course of your career or over several years means that you're, you are one of the greats. That is very difficult to keep up that level of consistency. That's a talent thing. Yeah. And it's, and it's worth noting too, that, out of that li- those list of forwards that I just named there, Lewandowski is the second youngest. Oh, wow. The youngest is Aubameyang. Wow. Ob- Aubameyang's the youngest, and he's last on the list. Lewandowski's second youngest, and he's second. So, like, it's – I mean, it, there's an argument to be made he's the best center forward of the, of the last decade. It, there's an argument to be made there. I think, I think it would be completely fair. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt, I I don't I I think that there have been people that have considered him in the conversation, but never put him number one. I don't know many people that have not included him in the conversation at all. But if there are people that do that, then I think this table tells you everything that you need to know. Four hundred seventy goals or sixty eight goals is ridiculous. Like to do it in that short amount of time and still be one of the youngest. That what is he now? Thirty one. 30, he'll be, um, he'll be 32 in, uh, August. Okay. So he is 31. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's 31 now. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So he I, was on track to have a ridiculous season this season, if I remember correctly. He was. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> he's not showing any signs of slowing down. He scored in, he scored in the first 13 Bundesliga games this season. <laughs> like, He's scored in each of the first 13 games. It's a, he's outstanding. He's outrageous. He's just outrageous. My God. Yeah. I mean, this was the game, like we said, that we wanted to recap because it was that game that really put him on the map. It's, I think, in our opinion, the, I can speak for myself, so my opinion, the game that made Bayern kind of write the check. I know he didn't go until – he didn't go until 2013. He leaves, he leaves after the, the – uh, he leaves in 2014. Sorry, yes, 2014. So 2014 season with Dortmund. Yeah, 2014-15 was his first season. Right. Right, okay. Okay, that makes sense. I thought it was a year earlier, but yes, he did He did say next year at Dortmund. I forgot about that. Um, and he went on to have a fabulous career, without a doubt. And he's one of the best strikers of in German football, uh, by far, and certainly within Europe. So... Happy to have him around. Thank you, Lewandowski, for making this podcast possible. Sponsored by Poland. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, from that, I, you want to talk a little bit about the managers, Elias? Um, I, yeah. I mean, I just wanted to briefly touch on it. Uh, I know we don't have too much time, but what I, what I wanted to point out, right, is Mourinho has been around for a long time, right? 2004, 2007, when he managed Chelsea. Right, that was his real first big managerial stint, and and winning the Premier League for the first time in Chelsea's history in two thousand five. Right, he he brought them that. He, yeah, and 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 how appropriate 
Today marks the 15th anniversary of that 20 of that um first championship for Chelsea, the first Premier League oh, title. Oh wow! Today was the day. Yep, today was the day that they clinched it in uh, 2005. So that's pretty impressive. That was yeah. yeah, that was a while ago. But I mean, my point my point about kind of Marino is that he has had his stints with really really good teams and since you know the Chelsea days uh very early ones he was on the up on the up you know went to Porto went to Real Madrid but for me Real Madrid and specifically this game was kind of the turning point and and kind of the start of his downfall I know that it seems kind of weird to think about but if you think about the the teams that he has managed since then and the time that he's taken off well we're I mean, okay, we're not we're not kidding ourselves here. Okay, let's let's not, not, yeah, not sorry, not to name any names, but his his career really went down the shitter. He got to London specifically. I'm actually heading back to London. Damn, wow. He has just not been able to do the same with any of the teams that he's coached in the past since the Real Madrid team that he coached in in 2012, basically. Well, like, the Chelsea that, team in, in 2014. Also, I would okay, the, yes. the team that he fucking propped up. They were so terrible, and he made them pretty competitive. Yeah, but that well, was they're, a... they're really second by like by like twenty five points. So, <laughs> like Europa League. So, I mean, that's not nothing. Yeah, but this is how we know Desmond is a Tottenham fan. Europa <laughs> League is is not nothing. Yeah, he went from winning trebles to winning the Europa League. That's my point. Like, you're comparing apples and oranges. Like a considerably worse team. This team had Kaká on the bench. I mean, like, come on. This is this was this was very late stage Kaká. This is this is like washed Kaká. To be honest, over McTominay any day, please. Or Fred? Come on, I would take. Probably I, I think I think you're just taking out some of your you know personal Tottenham insecurities on Mourinho right now, and that's not necessarily needed. No, I'm just curious. I'm curious how he'll do this year. Obviously, I mean, I guess, but <laughs> but no, no. I mean, but but it is. But he, there is a definite from this game. Maybe not from this game specifically, but around this season, I guess, for sure, like kind of. Um, Two different paths for these managers, for sure. From there, yes, yes, Mourinho ends up winning one more championship, um, Premier League title, a couple years later. But you know, the rest of the of this decade, the 2010s stuff. By the end of it, the perception around these two managers is very different from what it was in this game. That's for sure, right? And I would say, even in terms of just like how. I know I talk about this. I've talked about this before and stuff in terms of how throughout that the rest of this decade of the 2010s and stuff, this kind of like intense playing style that kind of puts a lot of emphasis on energy and um, and like and you know athleticism and desire. I, I hate to I hate to use like such a uh, the cliches desire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to say. Yeah, I hate to use like that, but like. Yeah, but 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 you know, just something very different from what made Jose Mourinho's um, teams very successful in Europe or in Champions League in the at, in the twenty or the two thousands, right? It, 
where that kind of like more pragmatic, being very disciplined kind of thing turns over in this in these years where the intensity and high press and all that stuff becomes seemingly the way to the kind of way to game the system or or way to you know kind of take advantage of what other teams are not doing or not ready for and it kind of shows in the fact that it kind of seems like Mourinho is a bit of a relic now, right? Of a of a, of a woe be gone era, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but but and, and, and Klopp's and Klopp and Klopp's way of managing and tactics and everything seems like very oh new stage and and kind of new wave. Um, so it, it's it's really I thought it was I think it's really interesting to see how their careers went in com- in pretty different ways after this yeah yeah like completely different directions and i think one day you know this is my prediction one day we're going to see klopp i wouldn't say turn into Mourinho in that his playing style would become outdated um or sorry yes turn into Mourinho and in that his playing style will become one day outdated but not necessarily turn into like the villain that Mourinho turned into like this cataclysm of you know the antithesis of whatever major team's playing style has taken over the era, right? Like, I don't think Jurgen Klopp's going to become that figure. I think he will certainly see his playing style one day be overtaken by another team, but it may not be in the near future. Right, and, you know, it's it's something that happens to almost every manager, right? They run, whether they run out of, out of ideas or the game changes to a certain extent where their the way that they look at it is not effective anymore and stuff, right? And that's what made Sir Alex Ferguson so transcendent, so amazing, and, and makes him like arguably the greatest sports coach ever in, in any sport is the fact right. that he was able to last so long and he was able to be so adaptable. And he himself would say that he would kind of think about teams on in terms of like four year cycles and stuff and and would try to he would try to change his assistant manager every few years and change his tactics a little bit and stuff. And not every manager can do that. Not every manager looks himself in the face and does that and, and can look at themselves and say, this is not working anymore and something needs to change. And unfortunately, it feels like Jose Mourinho has not changed. Ooh, and, hang on. Um, it's going to be a renaissance. Just you watch. And Desmond is hopeful. I'll, I'll try. Desmond, I don't Desmond know if I is can. hopeful. Desmond, our resident uh, Spurs fan, is just hopeful that things will change. But um, Elias <laughs> no and I, Elias and I, being people who have seen Jose Mourinho teams extensively, <laughs> um, they don't change. And 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 yeah, and as someone who's rooted for him for one of his teams for multiple seasons and stuff, it, you know, he hasn't changed. He hasn't changed, and that's and that's. I hate that that might ultimately be his downfall, but even Arsene Wenger, same thing happened with Arsene Wenger. It happens. It happens. It's not, it's what normally happens. Arsene Wenger was amazing to last as long as he did. Um, but not everyone's Sir Alex Ferguson. It's kind of, not everyone's Sir Alex Ferguson. It's, that's kind of the uh, reality. Well, there you have it. The uh, comparison of coaches, the comparison of strikers of legends of whatever you want to call it i am stuck in quarantine so my head's spinning so let me live but rian des was there anything else that we missed for for this game 
Unless, you know, Des, you want to talk about the second leg starting now. No, it's okay. We'll save that for another episode. More entertaining game anyway. <laughs> so. Fair enough. We might actually have to look into it. Our episode of content. Hey, according to you, it's the more entertaining one, so we'll look into it. But I think, Rion, with that, we've elapsed all of the footballing talk for today. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and sign off myself. And thank you guys for listening. Again, stay safe, stay healthy during the quarantine. Um, And we will be out with another podcast, I should say, next week talking about where the European leagues are at and uh, when they might actually return. So with that, thank you guys for listening and have a good one.